0: All right. I hope your cell phones are off. Because I want you to tune in to what Ecclesiastes and the Word of God. Go ahead, you can go. Keep going? Yep. Okay. I'm going to say what I just said. I hope your cell phones are tuned off, and I hope you'll pay attention to what the Lord has allowed me to examine. And it pertains to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses, uh, excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 1 through 13. I'm on number 1. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking, look here, I'm only going to preach on one verse, if God allows me, the first verse. Of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, and I hope you'll follow along. Well, why do you say that, Brother Bruce? The word of the Lord is so rich that one verse can take up to 40 or 50 minutes. Can I get an amen? amen. I do not expect you to sit there and not affirm the word of God this morning. I hope I can get a few encouraging amen or keep it going or whatever the Lord Jesus allows you to say. Don't be intimidated by other people who might not feel so as you do. I know that's a lot that I'm saying this morning, but I'm going back to one of my favorite verses. Now, I just talked about the comparison... Well, I'm going to make a comparison. One verse. Why do I say that? Because the Word of God is so rich. There's a mountain of material just on one verse. And that reminds me of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Maybe it's one. But it's in Ephesians. It says the unsearchable. Can you say the word unsearchable? The unsearchable riches of Christ. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, comparing Scripture with Scripture. And I'm going to lay something on you before I begin. I wonder how many of you, and this includes me, were in the Word of God this past week and you spent some time with the Lord in prayer in opening your eyes like David says, that I might see glorious things out of your law. I just want to say that because the more you examine the word of God, the more he unfolds himself to you as a person. Can I get an amen? amen? That's a lot said as a preface, so let me keep it going. That was number one. Here's number two. In addition, today's message is another attempt. That's what this is. It is an attempt to examine the main meanings of text. In this case, verse 1, as well as applying some secondary applications of this same text. In other words, the primary meanings and applications of verse 1, as well as some secondary applications. Number 3. So here we begin. A good name is better than a good or precious ointment. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting because that is the end of every man. Now don't forget, I'm going to go back to verse 1 after all this talk. And the living takes it to heart. Sorrow! is better than laughter. For when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Number four, the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. Number six, For as the crackling of thorns bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. And this, too, is vanity, or in this case, futility. Number five. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. I want to stop right there for a moment and make an application. Do you realize that before you got saved, your heart was corrupt? Can I get an amen? Amen. People don't want to hear that. But every one of us, before you and I got saved, our heart was desperately wicked. So says Jeremiah. (coughs) And before I go on, this message is to the saved and the unsaved. I'm going to say this as a preface. If you're not saved, your heart is still corrupted. And you need to get saved. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than the haughtiness of spirit. That word haltiness is proud. I'm going to add this, and this is not in your notes. Some of you, I don't know who you are, so I'm not picking you. You're too proud to get saved. You think you can get saved by your so-called good good works, but you can Can I get an Amen. I don't know why I added that in there. Someone here needs to hear that. Don't be too proud to recognize that you are a sinner and you need a living Savior. Number nine do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Here I go again. Here you go again, Brother Bruce. How's your anger management? Does every time someone someone said something to you, and even if they mean well, you boil over with anger? Do not say, number six, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wisdom along with inheritance is good and an advantage to to those who see the sun. I'm almost done with this part. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Oh, Brother Bruce, you sure are getting boring thank you sister in Christ last verse before I go on I don't know why I'm saying this the reason why the word of God is so boring to some of you and me is because you're not into it I'll explain that later Number seven, consider the work of God for who is able to straighten what he has bent. Now verse one. Number eight, a good name is better than a good or precious ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. What is your most valuable possession A car, some clothes, a piece of jewelry. This first says that there is nothing more important than a good reputation. While it can never be bought or sold, it has an incalculable value, that is, your reputation. Number nine, a new car begins to depreciate in value the moment it is driven off the line. This year's fashion quickly becomes part of next year's garage. But your reputation, say my reputation. my reputation. Who you are and what you are known for retains its value through all your lifetime. Are you building? Am I building? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm asking you a a mainline question, are you building the kind of reputation you can be proud of? And I'm so glad I can't answer that question for you. You have to answer it yourself. Let me repeat it. Are you building the kind of reputation you can be proud of? I don't know why I stuck this in there, but I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I wonder whom this verse is talking about. We're talking about reputation. And can you say "and"? And, and now you can stay with me I'm on number ten. There is salvation, and no one else, for there is no other name or reputation under heaven. That has been given among men by which we must be saved. Can I get a witness? Let me say it again. Whoever this is, and I know you know who it is, and there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which. We must be saved. Oh, Pastor Bruce or Brother Bruce, I I think I'm going to clean up my house. Well, you better get saved today. All you have to do is look at the news and see how many fatalities are taken every day. And you and I could be the next. Can I get an amen? Number 11. Let's continue. A good name is better than... Notice I have the word name underlined. A good name is better than a good ointment or precious ointment. And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Name. Here we go. Name. That's your character. A godly mind and life. Not mere reputation with man, but what a man is in the eyes of God with whom... THE NAME AND REALITY ARE ONE THING. AND IT POINTS TO ISAIAH 9-6. I'LL GET TO THAT IN A MOMENT. THIS ALONE IS GOOD WHILE ALL ELSE IS VANITY WHEN MADE THE CHIEF END. LET ME SAY THIS AGAIN. A GODLY MIND AND LIFE, NOT MERE REPUTATION WITH MAN, BUT WHAT A MAN IS IN THE EYES OF GOD. WHAT DO YOU LOOK LIKE IN THE EYES OF GOD? NOT JUST WITH MAN. Number 12, how about your name and my name? Since you and I have been made anew in Christ Jesus, that's right, I'm assuming you're saved. Since you and I have been made anew in Christ, does our everyday life match our newness of life? Once again, only you can answer that question. Let me say it again. I hope I'm hitting home with some of you, including myself. Since you and I have been made anew in Christ Jesus, does our everyday life match our newness of life? Amen to that. Here's what the Bible says about we who are now saved. For you were formerly walking, I can put that word, in darkness. But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. I'm going to ask you a pointed question. I'm having trouble with my um, pronunciation because I'm ready to burst out for the Lord Jesus Christ. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. I want you to take a second. You who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Does your newness of life match your reputation? Maybe I have that backwards. But I think you know what I mean. Or... And this is possible, as a saved Christian, are you still walking in darkness? You're still a babe. You're not reading the Bible. You're not having fellowship and prayer with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not doing anything. You're just, can I put it this way? A bump on the log. You don't talk about Jesus. You don't have any relationship. You're just born again. And there's consequences. I don't want you to think that for a moment you can be a child of God and not get into the Word of God and live like a Christian without consequences. Can I get a witness? I guess I can't get a witness, but that's okay. Thank you. I'm going to say this again. I don't, I'm back to that I don't again. Are you and I walking as if we're children of the light since you've been born again? Number 13. But, say but, I've got a name here whose name matches his character. And here I go. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name, say name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. I know some people put this together and some some translations don't. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. 14 and I've got a name here that the scriptures proclaim that at his name every knee will bow of those who are in heaven that means the angels and all the other creatures that God made and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father can I get an amen to that He's he's got the name as my brother just said he's got the name above all names let me ask you a pointed question is that name Christian put it this way is he on first base second base third base, or is he home? Is he home in your heart and mind? 15. Furthermore, this same name gives him an occasion to say, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. What do you mean by Hades? In the Bible, the word Hades is, is, is the word for, un, uh, for the underworld, the world of spirits. Sixteen. Now let me ask you a question. I wish I could walk away from the mic sometime, but I'm afraid I might overstep. So I'll just stay here. What do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? What do you think about it? Some people think Jesus was just a good man, a good example a disciple of God himself. And that's all he is. And I'm going to put this in there because this is not in your notes. But the Bible says, let me add this verse: A good teacher. Oh, yeah, he was a good teacher. A good follower of God the Father. Yes, he was that too. But the Bible goes further than that. And let me add the verse that is not in this script. In him yes. dwells all. Say all. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm going to say it again. There's a man in heaven. And he is the God-man. For there is one mediator between God and man. The man. Say the man. Christ Jesus. And may I add this, you can slight him, perhaps this is the wrong way to say it, all you want. You can call him names, you can blaspheme his name, but the end, he's Lord, he's God, he's the God-man, and don't you allow any false prophet to tell you that he's just an angel a messenger, a disciple. He's the God man. What do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? Here's what Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. I don't know why I'm hesitating. It says about him. He is the radius. Say radiance of His glory, of God's glory, and the exact representation of His nature, and He upholds all things by the word of His power. I want you to think what I just said. The Son of the living God holds the entire, I know I said it before, together by the word of His power. And here's where you and I come in. When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. And I'm going to say this again because some of you never heard it before. When the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he couldn't sit down because his work was never done. But when this man went into the Holy of Holies and made a purification of your sins, that's right, your sins and my sins, one of the hardest things to do for any Preacher to do, minister is to convince you that you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell. Yep. When he went into the holy of holies, he sat down. Why did he sit down, Brother Bruce? Because it, you know what I'm going to say, is finished. It's over. Somebody just reminded me of that word, tetelestai. What do you mean by that, Brother Bruce? Paid in full. So why are you trying to earn it when it's already been paid for? Can I get an amen? Amen. It's an insult to God. I didn't have them to send a note. It's an insult to God for you to try to pay for something that only his son could pay. We got so many works, religion, I can't count them. If you're a good person, if you do your best, if you tithe your money, if you pray every day, not by works of righteousness, which you have done, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, but according to his mercy. Number 17, and here's what Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 7 says about him. Who's to him? You'll sh- soon discover. Let this mind. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Bruce. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Christian, it's up to you and me to develop the mind of Christ because he gives you the ability to have the mind of Christ. Who? being in the form of God. Who's in the form of a God? Christ Jesus, his son. What does that word form mean? It means the actual possession or expression of what he really is. He's in the form of God. He, ex- he exploded, if I can say, put it that way, with the radiance of his father. He didn't think it robbed me to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. Say he emptied himself. Come on, say it louder. Emptied himself. And you know what? Jesus wants to empty... Christian, Jesus wants to empty himself in you. And he wants to use you and me in a mighty way, if you let him. You have to ask yourself the question, how much... Do I want to be emptied of myself and be on display for Jesus? He took upon him the form of a servant, a doulos, and was made in the likeness of men. So him who was in the form of God, or he who was in the form of God, who exuded with the awesome glory of God, laid it down. He emptied himself. Well, does that mean he, he became less than the Son of God? I, I won't go into it. All I'll say to that is no. I'm going to say this again. Again. Emptied himself. He wants to empty himself in your life and mine and be used of God. How much are you allowing him to be used? Number 18. How about that reputation repeated? And I know, I just went over it. But you know what? Sometimes you can't get over it. Can I get an amen? amen? You start reading something, and God continues to say, look, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought and not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found... In fashion, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Here I go again. Beaten to a pulp, if I can say that. Crown of thorns. Hands stretched out where you could hardly breathe nails in his hands and in his feet. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of, I'm going to change this word, Jesus to Yeshua. Every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Well, I finally get to the ointment of this same verse. A good name is better than good or precious ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Here's a little research. Banqueters in the ancient world were often treated by a generous host to fine oils that would be used to anoint their, that is, the banqueters' foreheads. Let me say it again. When you came into the house and you were a guest, the host would often put oil upon your head. Don't forget that was a hot climate. Number 20. Consider the woman's anointing of Yeshua while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the Leaper. And reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii. And the woman given excuse me, and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her, number 21. But Jesus said, but Yeshua said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you wish you can do good to them, But you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached, say gospel. I'm getting off to the side, I know. What do you know, Christian, about the gospel? If someone asks you... Could you tell me in brief terms what is the gospel? Could you say it's the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of the Son of God in your behalf and mine? Could you tell them that? Could you point to the scripture? Could you point to any scripture and say, here it is? First Somebody said First Corinthians chapter 15, and he is correct. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. 22. As for you, um, that's talking to you and me now. Do you have an anointing? Say yes. yes. Don't, you, don't you know you've been anointed? If you're a Christian, you've been anointed. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has been taught to you, you abide in him. What, what is the anointing? I'll tell you what the anointing is, and many of you can say it. I'm not saying people here are don't know the gospel. Many of you already know what I'm about to say. That anointing is the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Every born-again Christian has the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is no excuse for you and I to live in sin. Do we sin every day? I'll tell you what. Personally, I know I do. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you want to be honest, so do you. But that doesn't mean you're not saved. I'm going to add another note. If I had to get saved by my good works, I'd be in hell right now. Let me say this over again. As for you, the anointing which you receive, did you notice that? Say received. You didn't earn it. The moment you placed your faith in the Son of God, he anointed you with the Holy Spirit. And here's another thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not just an influence. He's a person. Let me add this in there. And he wants to produce in you and me the fruits of the Holy Spirit love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness. Somebody said it's self-control. 23. 23. Good. Now let's return to Solomon's neck contention as seen in verse 1. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. I entitled this Sermon, and it wasn't on the screen better off dead with a question mark is physical or bodily death the end of all evils is this your view or mine if it is if bodily death is the death of all things of all evils if this is your view you have fallen into Solomon's under the sun view Twenty-four. but on the contrary the day of a good and faithful man's death is much better than the day of his birth for his death puts an end to his miseries which his birth begins and begins those happinesses which the present life is not capable of what do you mean by that let's turn to 25 this is just for repeating in another way, the day of death than the day of one's birth, that is, to those who die in the Lord. I've got to ask you a question, and these are hard for me to say because I think I'm just kind of mild, and I don't like to try to intimidate people, but some things must be said. Can I get an amen? amen. The day of death than the day of one's birth. That is to those who die in the Lord. Ask yourself, if your heart would stop beating right now, including mine, where would you be? Somebody pointed up, praise God. The day of one's death and the day of one's birth. That is to those who die in the Lord. Ask yourself, Again, where would you be? Is is physical death the end of all things? Does it end everything? That's what Solomon says. twenty six. On the contrary And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed. Some translate this verse happy. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors. Say labors. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot and me. The reason why God allows us to keep on living Christians He's got labor. He's got things for us to do. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Say deeds. Did you notice that? Deeds. After you and I become saved, God's got work for you to do. 27. I'm almost done because I only have thirty pages. Okay, Solomon, you said death ends all things. So, what? Why does the Holy Script, Scripture say this? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the godly ones who are saints. That's you and me. Don't you know that we're precious in the sight of the Lord? Precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Say saints. Saints. I don't know if you realize it. Some of you do. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. I'm only asking you, are you and I living up to our sainthood? Are you? Twenty-eight. I hope this frightens some of you. If you're not saved, let me just be honest. I hope this frightens you. I hope that your heart is not so hardened that this just is like water off a duck. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but also unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both body. I got it back with both soul and body in hell. What did Jesus save save me from? An eternity apart from him. But he not only saved me from, he saved me to have fellowship with him forever. Daniel 12.2, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will wake these to everlasting life but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those verses speak for themselves. 29. 2 Corinthians 5 eight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home or present with the Lord. Philippians 1.23 For I am hard-pressed. This is Paul. And this is you. For I am hard-pressed from both directions. See, Paul, he knew he had work to do. Having the desire to be with Christ. Let me get it right. Having the desire to depart and to be with Christ. For that is very much better. Solomon, you said death is the end of all things. Let me read it again. I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Number 30. I am He that lives, say lives. Yes. This is not in your script. This is just perhaps from me. Does Christ live in you? Yes. I'm glad to hear somebody say yes, and I'm sure there's many others. But if he doesn't live with you, and I'm going to be a little harsh, you're not saved. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Well, why do you have the keys of hell? Let me put it this way. When a son of God died on that cross for you and me. i got to get this correct because I don't want to give you false doctrine. He experienced the wrath of his Father. If you want to check it out, it's, it's in Isaiah chapter 53. The wrath of God was poured out on him. He experienced the hell For you and me. And that's why he's got the keys. And death. Say death. Destroy this body. John chapter 2. And I. This physical death. I will raise it up. In three days. This man. Has an awesome. Reputation. His name is is the eternal son of God. And Christian, he wants to give you, let me get this right, a reputation that you may be called one of his honorable sons and daughters in Christ. Ask yourself once again, what kind of legacy are you leaving for this world? What will they say about you and me? Is it going to be a godly reputation? Or is it going to be something else? And if you don't have that type of, I can't call it reputation. If If you can't just figure what he wants in your life, ask him about it. And ask him to help you to fulfill his life in yours.